the podcast for St. Joseph and Elkhart counties that reads like an audio newspaper. This is SME Community Radio Newscast powered by Anchor.fm. News Nation this hour, I'm Gabe Salgado. A Pentagon police officer is dead after an attack outside the massive military headquarters yesterday. AP Washington correspondent Sagar Magani reports. Officials say the officer died after being stabbed on a bus platform steps from the Pentagon. Gunfire was exchanged and there were uh, there were several casualties. Pentagon Force Protection Agency Chief Woodrow Cousset would not give further details, but officials said the suspect was shot to death and there was no further threat. The Pentagon was locked down for about 90 minutes. Defense Chief Lloyd Austin says flags over the complex will fly at half-staff in the fallen officer's honor. The CDC has issued a new eviction moratorium for counties with high or substantial levels of COVID-19 transmission. Here's News Nation's Michael Schur. The original CDC eviction moratorium started in October 1st of last year, uh, so this will be a full year of eviction moratorium now. It was a reaction both to the White House putting pressure on the CDC, Congress putting pressure on the White House, and those were the results today. It's going to leave a lot of renters with a, a great deal of relief. However, landlords are wondering what will happen next. The new moratorium ends on October 3rd. And a video posted on social media shows Republican U.S. Representative Nancy Mace from South Carolina without a mask walking through the Capitol tunnels. Socially distant from anybody else. I had COVID. I've had two vaccinations. I'm washing my hands. I'm even wearing my mask inside the chamber, but I'm not going to wear it anywhere else. So, Madam Speaker, come and get me. Mace's Twitter comments follow a new policy set in the Capitol complex earlier this week by the Capitol physician. The new rules prohibit visitors or staff members entry to the House side of the Capitol building if they do not wear masks. Capitol Police Chief Thomas Manger first issued a letter suggesting anyone who doesn't comply or leave the premises be arrested, but later stated the new rules should not result in arrest. Find News Nation on your cable or satellite provider and stay up to date around the clock at NewsNationNow.com and on the News Nation Now app. I'm Gabe Salgado. Information Network. This is the BIN Daily Update. I'm Vanessa Tyler. And I'm Mike Stevens on your home for 24-7 News, the Black Information Network. Relief coming to those who feared they would lose the roof over their heads. The CDC has just issued a new eviction moratorium, extending it to October 3rd, giving people time who are behind on their rent. Already, evictions were being issued as soon as the last ban on evictions expired days ago. This comes as the Delta variant of the coronavirus continues to increase. President Biden describes the spread like wildfire. Experts tell us that we're going to see these cases rise in the weeks ahead. A largely preventable tragedy that will get worse before it gets better. The president calling it a pandemic among the unvaccinated with only one way out. The best line of defense against the Delta virus is the vaccine. It's as simple as that, period. A Pentagon police officer is dead after being stabbed in the neck outside the building in Virginia. NBC News reports the officer started shooting at the suspect following an attack on a Metro bus platform. The suspect was shot and killed. The Pentagon was put on lockdown but later reopened. The FBI is leading the investigation. 
That Missouri couple seen on viral video pointing their guns at protesters marching past their St. Louis mansion gets a pardon from the governor. Republican Mike Parson granted the pardon to Mark and Patricia McCloskey after the couple pleaded guilty to assault and harassment. They aimed their weapons at the Black Lives Matter protesters. Their case sparked a national outrage, but the couple also had supporters on the right. In fact, they were featured speakers at the Republican National Convention. We are Mark and Patty McCloskey. We're speaking to you tonight from St. Louis, Missouri, where just weeks ago you may have seen us defending our home as a mob of protesters descended on our neighborhood. How much is a child's life worth? To Nigerian kidnappers, it's worth one million Nigerian dollars. That's how much the bandits want for each of the 80 students still in their custody. Students have been released unharmed. Just weeks ago, 28 were released, but captured again as they ran through the forest. And that kidnapper also demanded money. Kidnapping is a business in Nigeria, and the schools are the targets. Black fraternity Phi Beta Sigma is on a mission to create and support 1,000 black entrepreneurs and businesses by the year 2030. The Sigmas are partnering with Operation Hope's One Million Black Business Initiative. The idea is to take Sigma's 580 chapters of conscious men and use them as servant leaders with a focus on building a supportive ecosystem to make dreams possible. The beauty of the modern black Muslim woman was on display in a unique fashion show. Show coordinator Naima Abdullah says you normally don't think of Muslim fashion until the models of this Atlanta show stroll down the runway. The show, titled Sealed Nectar, even showed beachwear, mixing style and modesty, just perfect for the sand and sun. For more on these stories and international, national, state, and local news affecting the black community, listen to the black information network on the iHeartRadio app or log on to BINnews.com. I'm Vanessa Tyler with Mike Stevens on your home for 24-7 News, the Black Information Network. This episode is brought to you by BioLife. It costs nothing to be kind. In fact, it actually pays. By donating plasma at BioLife Plasma Services, your kindness enables someone else to live more fully. And just imagine the difference you could make if you take the money you could earn in the first month and donate it to your favorite charity or support your local food bank. Learn more at BioLifePlasma.com. Support for this podcast comes from Verizon Business. Verizon Business Unlimited plans, unlimited data, no overages, and more. Built right for business with the speed of Verizon 5G. Get Verizon Business Unlimited plans from as low as $30 per line. Visit Verizon.com slash business slash plans. Per month with five lines on Business Unlimited Start. Includes paper-free billing with auto pay and select smartphone agreement discounts. Taxes, fees, and terms apply. 5G nationwide available in 2,700-plus cities on most Verizon 5G devices. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. Support for this podcast comes from AbbVie. Can't get to the bottom of your stomach issues? Having symptoms like diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, oily stool, or unexplained weight loss? It might not be your stomach. It could be your pancreas. It could be exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI. It's a treatable condition where your body can't break down the food you eat. If uncovering the cause of your stomach issues has been challenging, talk to your doctor or visit identifyepi.com. Because even just one symptom could mean EPI. I'm Mike Stevens. And I'm Vanessa Tyler on your home for 24-7 News, the Black Information Network. 
A black high school principal near Dallas, Texas, says his bosses ordered him to remove a photo of him embracing his wife from social media. But he told NBC5 in Dallas it's not clear why the district wanted it taken down. Well, I look at the picture and then I look at the, the words above it and it says, is this the Dr. Whitfield that we want leading our schools? Coleyville Heritage High School principal James Whitfield is one of the first black principals in that district, and he's been accused by some parents of teaching critical race theory. He denies that, but it's not clear how the photo comes into play, except for the fact they're an interracial couple. My wife is white, and I would like to believe that there was some universe where that wasn't why he sent that message. The district says their issue with the photo has nothing to do with race. The investigation into the conduct of New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, spearheaded by New York State's Black Attorney General Letitia James, is now complete. The independent investigation has concluded that Governor Andrew Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women. After those comments, President Joe Biden and a growing number of New York lawmakers are calling for Governor Andrew Cuomo to resign, including Black Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins on CNN. And I do believe that for the sake of the state, he should resign. No indication he plans to do that. Governor Cuomo says the investigation is politically motivated, which Letitia James has denied. For his part, Governor Cuomo says the allegations are not true. I never touched anyone inappropriately. So far, no criminal charges have been filed, but civil lawsuits by the many accusers are likely. The labor union challenging its election loss at an Amazon warehouse has won a victory. A hearing officer issued a preliminary finding that the online retailer violated labor law during the closely watched union campaign in Alabama a few months ago. The hearing officer from the National Labor Relations Board recommends workers vote in a new election because it says Amazon tainted the casting of ballots in various ways. Several African-American workers were among those complaining about work conditions, which led to what they said was the need for a union. Virginia's Mary Baldwin University has its first ever chief diversity officer. Reverend Andrea Cornett Scott's duties will include assessing the need for training initiatives on cultural competency, racial sensitivity, gender equity, and other topics. She reports to Pamela Fox, the university's president. Reverend Cornett Scott joined the college in 1996 as the director of African-American affairs, and she's taught two African-American studies classes there. The Children's Museum of Indianapolis, Indiana, is debuting a special two-year exhibit called Stories from Our Community, The Art of Protest. It will feature the work of 18 artists who collaborated on a social justice mural in downtown Indianapolis. The exhibit will have information on the artists, but most importantly, it will teach children of all backgrounds that black lives really do matter. I'm Mike Stevens with Vanessa Tyler on your home for 24-7 News, the Black Information Network. The kids are going back to school soon, and that means you'll need dinner ideas. Lots of them. But with your busy schedule, finding the time to plan, prep, and cook nutritious meals for your family can be a struggle. Thankfully, a company called Real Eats has a solution. They discovered a restaurant industry secret that makes it simple to enjoy real food, reduce waste, and support local farms. Real Eats delivers chef-prepared, nutritionist-approved meals made with real ingredients right to your doorstep, all for as little as $8.33 per meal. Their meals are fully prepared and delivered fresh, never frozen, so they can be on your table in just six minutes. Choose from a menu that includes steak, shrimp, chicken, salmon, and even vegetarian dishes. Try Real Eats now and save big. 
Head to realeats.com and use code MEALS80 to get $20 off each week for four weeks, plus free shipping. That's R-E-A-L-E-A-T-S dot com. And use code M-E-A-L-S-8-0 for $80 off your first four weeks, plus free shipping. Support for this podcast comes from AT&T. All right, so to stay connected, AT&T Business has the only wireless plan your teams need. With mobile hotspot data up to 100 gigabytes, they can easily use their phones to connect tablets and laptops to the internet from really virtually wherever work takes them, giving them the power to boost productivity even on the go. Upgrade to AT&T Business and get our best plan with nationwide 5G and 100 gigabytes in mobile hotspot data. Visit att.com slash business elite. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by The Skim. Need career advice and find yourself buried in Google searches? Listen to 9 to 5-ish with The Skim. Each week, The Skim interviews women at the top of their game, like Gail King and Bumble's Whitney Wolfherd. It's the work toolkit you never knew you needed. Join us every Wednesday to get the most out of your career and follow 9 to 5-ish with The Skim wherever you get your podcasts. Your money on the Black Information Network. A Georgia HBCU is clearing student account balances. Savannah State University announced it would relieve more than 200 students of money they owe to help out with challenges faced since the beginning of the pandemic. The funds will come from the Higher Education Emergency Relief Fund. Other Georgia HBCUs such as Clark Atlanta, Spelman, Fort Valley State University, and Morehouse College have also announced similar initiatives. At Morehouse, the plan covers those who were enrolled anytime during spring 2020 through the summer term of this year. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen briefing House Democrats about distributing more than $46 billion in rental assistance to millions of Americans facing eviction after the eviction moratorium recently expired. African-American Democratic Representative Cory Bush of Missouri has been camping out on the steps of the U.S. Capitol calling for action. Let's just do the job to make sure people are taken care of. We can go deal with court cases. We can deal with the states. Aside from that, let's just get the moratorium done. The national moratorium had been in effect since last year, and President Biden last week urged Congress to pass legislation extending it. Democrats couldn't round up enough votes to pass a bill, so they're leaning on President Biden to extend the moratorium through an executive order. Money news at 24 and 54 minutes past each hour. I'm Julius White on the Black Information Network. Transportista is a podcast that looks into the story of a mysterious pilot who spoke to us using a clandestine cell phone from inside a prison in North Carolina and claims to have worked in the international drug trade for some 30 years. I'm transportista. That's where I am. He is also a man obsessed with telling and selling his own story. My name is John Gibbler. This is Transportista. Listen to Transportista on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here Comes the Break is the groundbreaking podcast sparking real conversations about creativity, mental health, hope, and music. Asante Black stars as Ruben in a fictional narrative featuring real interviews with emerging artists. What advice would you give the families and parents about supporting a teenager that wants to pursue the arts? If you see they're dedicated and you see that they really mean it and their grades are good, <laughs> then let them do it, man. Listen to Here Comes the Break on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts iHeartRadio presents As far as we can tell, the earthquake somehow raised a new landmass out here. Aftershock, starring Sarah Wayne Kelly. I gotta get out there. She's out there on that island. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. There are corpses all over the Southland. And David Harbour. I did my job, Cassie. This is what I do. They were gonna hurt you and I stopped them. Aftershock. 
Listen and follow on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Download the BIN Daily Update every morning on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to 2021 Talks, where we're following our democracy in historic times. I've lived my entire adult life in public view. That is just not who I am. And that's not who I have ever been. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo denies allegations in an independent report that found he sexually harassed multiple women, some current and former staffers. New York Attorney General Letitia James said Cuomo retaliated against at least one woman for her allegations. President Joe Biden told reporters he believed Cuomo should resign. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio has announced residents will be required to show proof of vaccination for indoor dining and use of fitness facilities starting this month. One-third of COVID-19 cases nationwide last week occurred in Florida and Texas. Congresswoman Cori Bush told reporters on the Capitol steps that she will continue her fight to reinstate the moratorium against evictions. The Missouri Democrat has been protesting outside the Capitol for the last five days. People started sending me pictures of dockets, of court dockets, that were all evictions. We cannot continue to sit back and play with what can or what cannot happen, when something could happen. We need this done today. People's lives depend on it. The CDC on Tuesday issued new limits on certain evictions. The new ban applies to areas of the country with high or substantial transmission of COVID-19 and will last until October 3rd. The Biden administration has acknowledged that the temporary ban might not be constitutional. More than 1,400 workers in West Virginia are set to lose their jobs this week when the Viatris Pharmaceuticals plant in Morgantown shuts down and moves operations overseas. Workers say they've had no response to their urgent request for help from Democratic Senator Joe Manchin. Plant worker Carla Schultz. I'm just a year or two away from uh, retirement, so I'm too old to go to school, I feel. A new study shows Democrats could lose control of the House next year due to Republican gerrymandering in Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, and Texas. An analysis by the data firm Target Smart shows Republicans could win as many as 13 House seats simply by redrawing congressional districts in their favor. Former Georgia representatives Stacey Abrams. In response, we have seen bills, legislation passed in 18 states already, with more bills pending across the country that would make it harder for every one of those communities to vote. A police officer has been killed near the Pentagon Transit Center in Virginia. The Associated Press reports the officer was stabbed and a suspect was shot by law enforcement and died at the scene. The FBI has not provided further information about the incident, but said, quote, there is no ongoing threat to the public. I'm Nadia Ramlagan for Pacifica Network and Public News Service. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. The Public News Service Daily Newscast, August the 4th, 2021. I'm Mike Clifford. In New Mexico, the youngest students, along with faculty and staff, will need to mask up in the Rio Rancho schools when classes begin next Monday. 
In a 3-2 decision, the Rio Rancho School Board decided this week that all elementary students and faculty will need to wear masks to protect them from COVID-19, while middle and high schoolers won't if they can provide proof they're vaccinated. Billy Heelan with the Rio Rancho School Employees Union is convinced it's the best way to keep staff and students safe in a difficult environment. Even though the masks are kind of a pain, we know that. However, we all know that being in person is the best way to learn. Students get the most from their teachers and from their peers when they're in person. The Rio Rancho guidelines align with the New Mexico Public Education Department's decision to ease mask requirements for vaccinated students in upper grades, but requiring them for all primary students. I'm Roz Brown. Rio Rancho Public Schools announced it will not segregate students at the secondary level based on vaccination status. More than 56 million students attend public and private elementary, middle, and high schools in the U.S. CNBC reporting President Joe Biden called on Democratic New York Governor Andrew Cuomo to resign Tuesday. That follows a report that said that Cuomo sexually harassed 11 women. He should resign, Biden told reporters at the White House, asked whether Cuomo should be removed from the office if he refuses to resign. Biden said, I understand the state legislature may decide to impeach. I do not know that for a fact. And mothers are sharing their stories about how federal unemployment benefits and a guaranteed income initiative have helped them to build safety nets. The American Rescue Plan included federal support for people who are unemployed, and the Magnolia Mothers Trust, in its third year, provides $1,000 a month for 12 months to at least 100 low-income black mothers. Tia of Jackson, Mississippi, explains that cash relief has helped her maintain a safety net for her kids, but she adds she'll always want to be working. You want to add on to your money, not decrease your money. You might have to go to the doctor. You might have to pay out of pocket. Your car might break down. Tia's experience is among many that counter the narratives cited by Republican governors who ended benefits early, that people receiving unemployment are dependent on the system or discouraged from working. Studies show so far that cutting benefits hasn't boosted employment in those states. I'm Lily Bulky reporting. This story produced with original reporting from Katie Fleischer for Ms. Magazine. This is PNS. People behind efforts to recall four Fargo school board members have until August 25th to collect signatures. Mask mandates and communication issues were among the concerns cited by recall supporters in Fargo when their petitions launched this year. Amy Jacobson of Prairie Action ND says from her group's viewpoint, nothing that has been mentioned warrants a special vote to remove a sitting board member. The recall process is meant to remove an elected official who has done something particularly egregious and should no longer be serving. Jacobson says those upset with board members should focus on the next election, which is next spring. She points out that these special votes also are a drain on resources. But the parents involved say members they're targeting have terms that expire in 2024. Ballotpedia notes that more than 150 recalls were launched nationwide in the first half of this year, with nearly 50% involving school boards. I'm Mike Moen. Outside of the Fargo recall efforts, Prairie Action ND says there have been discussions in other North Dakota communities, but no other petitions have been filed with the state. 
Meantime, the pandemic has revealed the benefits of telemedicine, but advocates are concerned some Vermont providers may not be able to offer it in the long term. While insurance companies are required to cover telehealth, providers aren't always reimbursed at the same rates as for in-person care. Lynn Stanley is with the National Association of Social Workers. We're concerned mental health providers will not be able to afford to provide telehealth services to their clients. If insurance companies lower a reimbursement rate when a service is provided by a telehealth, it becomes financially unsustainable for the therapist or the agency. Some states like neighboring New Hampshire have statutes requiring insurers to cover telehealth at the same rate. Finally, Eric Tegenoff tells us this August, Montanans are being challenged to eat locally grown foods every day of the month. The Northern Plains Resource Council is hosting its sixth annual Montana Local Food Challenge. Annika Charter-Williams is a rancher outside of Billings and a Northern Plains member. She says it's a revelation for many customers when they have local food for the first time. Those products. I find just they're so much better than anything you can find in the grocery store. Half of it, I think, is the distance. It doesn't have to travel as far. But also, there's just something nice about knowing that it's coming from people in your community. Charter Beef is a founding member of the Yellowstone Valley Food Hub. The hub has switched to online ordering because of the pandemic. The month-long event includes new local challenges every week. This is by Clifford for Public News Service. We remember and listeners supported her on radio stations, big and small, and find our trust indicators online at publicnewsservice.org. The president laments that seven states ban mask mandates, and he's specifically calling on GOP governors in Florida and Texas to prioritize the health of their residents. I say to these governors, please help. But if you aren't going to help, at least get out of the way. Mr. Biden says his appeal to Americans to get vaccinated is not political and that leaders from both parties need to come together to stamp out the spread of COVID-19. Greg Clugston, Washington. Today's episode is sponsored by Chevron. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's August 4th, and we've made it to Wednesday. I'm Nyla Boudou. Here's what you need to know today. Biden says Cuomo needs to go. Plus, why we can't just blame social media for misinformation. But first, today's one big thing. More tragedy for the January 6th first responders. Four officers who responded to the Capitol insurrection on January 6th have now died by suicide. The news of the most recent two deaths came this week. Officer Gunther Hashida, Officer Kyle DeFreytag, Officer Howie Liebengood, and Officer Jeffrey Smith were among those who fought to defend the Capitol that day. We've learned from last month's testimony on the Hill from a number of officers that the mental health repercussions of January 6th have been substantial for many. Steve Hoff is an active duty law enforcement officer and chief operating officer of First Help. That's an organization dedicated to the support of first responders suffering from post-traumatic stress and other mental health issues. Steve, thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you for having me. I wanted to play some testimony from one of the January 6th police officers. This is U.S. Capitol Police Sergeant Aquilino Gunnell. What we were suggested that day was like something from a medieval bottle. We fought hand-to-hand, inch-by-inch, to prevent an invasion of the Capitol by a violent mob intent on subverting our democratic process. 
Is the idea of hand-to-hand combat, that seems different to me than a police officer's normal line of work? I, I would definitely agree with that. They had to deal with things that the majority of law enforcement officers would never deal with in a lifetime of being a, a career officer. The terminology of hand-to-hand combat is not normally associated with anything that we deal with in a law enforcement profession or spectrum that usually seems to suggest a much higher type of conflict. Do you think the stigma around getting help for mental health has changed among police officers and other first responders? I think you're starting to see a shift. We know that the generations that are up and coming and actually coming into law enforcement, they're more apt to come forward and say, hey, look, you know, I'm not dealing with this too well. I need some assistance. And I think it's going to change even more as more and more of those younger officers come in. How is the news of these suicides of these officers who were involved in January 6th affecting you and your peers? I can tell you that seeing so many officers from one incident who are taking their own lives, I have not seen it happen before. So we owe it to them, not only as citizens, but their administration owes that to them to take care of them and and get them any type of assistance they may need. What do you want those of us who are not in law enforcement to know about this? The bottom line is they need to know we're just like them. We get home, we take off our Superman suit, we still have bills to pay, we still have kids to get to sleepovers, we still get the full spectrum of living just like everybody else. That in itself is one of those things that that I think people have a hard time, or at least some people have a hard time grasping. I literally was talking this morning to a group of new hires, and it's like, regardless of what you do, if you take off the uniform, if you are at a ball game, you're still the police in a lot of people's eyes. They don't just see you as Steve or they don't see you as John. They see you as a law enforcement officer. So with that, we enjoy it when people walk up to us and say, hey, thank you for what you do. That does more than anything anything else. It does more than they'll, they'll realize. I guarantee you that. Steve Huff is the chief operating officer of First Help. He's also an active law enforcement officer. And if you or anyone you know is struggling with depression or thoughts of suicide, you can get help by reaching out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. That number is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. And we'll have that in our show notes as well. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. In 15 seconds, tracking misinformation around COVID-19 vaccines. Chevron is investing in a lower carbon future. The company's venture capital group is investing in breakthrough technologies from carbon capture to nuclear fusion, because it's only human to find new ways forward. Learn more at chevron.com slash lower carbon. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. When we hear about misinformation, say around COVID vaccines, we often think social media is to blame. But that's not the full story. Axios's media reporter Sarah Fisher joins us now to explain. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Nyla. Sarah, where else are we seeing vaccine misinformation spreading? 
anywhere where you can get your information, Nyla, there's going to be misinformation. We're seeing it in local news, on television, on the radio. I think for a long time, the conversation has centered around misinformation being proliferated in two main areas, which are Fox News or conservative TV and Facebook and social media. And what this report really finds, Nyla, is that misinformation is everywhere you look. It might be more prevalent in certain places, but you can't just take out one platform and get rid of this problem. You need to address the societal distrust in key institutions if you want to solve the anti-vax problem writ large. So how is this, for example, making its way on into local TV news? A lot of these newsrooms are really short-staffed, they're short-resourced, and so oftentimes you'll have an expert come and pitch a news article or a package, and local newsrooms just not having the resources to necessarily vet everything as well as they might want to are taking some of this content. Sometimes it's going out in a broadcast newscast, which then gets clipped and put online. Sometimes they get quoted and they get put in local papers or on websites. And that's how misinformation proliferates. It's people with good intentions putting out misinformation through bad experts or people that are posing to be experts. And that's spreading a lot of this anti-vax misinformation. And this is on top of very unclear messaging from the CDC and the White House. How does that complicate things? People are supposed to trust government institutions, including top healthcare officials and agencies. But what one researcher told me was that a lot of these agencies and people, they've been politicized. An example being the fact that there was approvals of hydroxychloroquine last year, presumably because there was pressure from Donald Trump to approve that type of cure when it hadn't been fully vetted. And so now people look at these agencies that are supposed to be the arbiters of truth with a little bit of skepticism, and that makes them more likely to believe misinformation about vaccines when they see it elsewhere. Sarah Fisher is Axios's media reporter. She also writes the Media Trends newsletter. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you, Nyla. Last night, President Biden joined a chorus of local, state, and federal lawmakers, saying New York Governor Andrew Cuomo should resign following a 168-page report by the New York Attorney General that said the governor sexually harassed 11 women. Axios' Elena Treen joins us now. Elena, are there any Democrats in Washington who are standing with Cuomo at this point? As of now, it's hard to find anyone, any Democrat in Washington or even across the country, really, that's going to bat for the governor. And I think President Biden coming out last night and saying he should resign. He joined the chorus of many others, including House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer in in calling for his resignation. So he just doesn't have many, if any, allies in Washington right now. Is it notable what they aren't saying? It is. I think the big question now is, clearly Cuomo is refusing to resign, at least in this moment. And so if all of these people, including the president, are saying that they believe he should resign, the big question now is, does New York move forward with impeachment proceedings to try to remove him forcibly from office? As of now, um, we've asked that question to Chuck Schumer. President Biden got that question. They're not going so far as to say that. So we'll see how this plays out in the next few days. It's definitely going to be a story that continues to be in the forefront of the media and in people's minds. Elena Treen covers Congress in the White House for Axios. Thank you, Elena. Thank you, Nyla. 
I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Chevron is investing in a lower carbon future, and the company's venture capital group is also investing in breakthrough technologies in companies like Zap Energy. Zap Energy is looking to make nuclear fusion technology a reality, a process that can produce large amounts of energy with no greenhouse gas emissions, and that's just the start, because it's only human to find new ways forward. Get more information at chevron.com slash lower carbon. Hi, good evening. This is John Schaefer, and I want to encourage the listeners to share this station with your family and friends, and even share it on your own personal Facebook page. We need more listeners, and we need people that will Tune in on a daily basis. Listen to the various numerous broadcasts. And uh, tell us what you think. Go back to the Facebook group site and tell us what you think. And tell your friends to listen in. We would appreciate that so much here at the SME station. Have a great week. And as always, thank you for listening. Happy Hump Day. I'm Joel of Heart City Church. Welcome to Happy and Whole in Him. I spend part of my week walking through my neighborhood, getting to know folks. And of course, a question that inevitably comes up is our work, our vocation. What do you do for a living, Joel? Now, part of me doesn't enjoy sharing that I'm a pastor because of the look or the awkward dynamic it may create. Not just because some folks will begin to apologize for their language, at which point I'm compelled to get right out on the table that I'm equally in need of divine miracle. But it's because they think I'm holier or doing far more for God than they can. So sometimes I'll begin with how I spent nearly two decades of my life as a screw pusher, a blue collar RV builder like so many others in Elkhart, the RV capital of the world. I have found that some people don't think much of their work. They think, I'm just a factory worker. I'm just a housewife. I'm just a student. I'm just a trash collector. It's as though they're saying, Pastor Joel, you're doing the noble and necessary work in our community. Well, I bet they'd change their tune if we had to go a couple weeks without trash collectors. So why do so many naturally think so little of certain occupations? This is the reaction in Mark 6.3 when Jesus shows up preaching in his hometown. Folks say, is not this the carpenter? And they reject the greatest news to ever come to Nazareth because it happens to be delivered by a carpenter. Jesus had spent probably nearly 20 years learning the trade from his dad and then taking it on. And I'm fully confident that Jesus never thought or said, I'm just a carpenter. And not just because he was later going to become the greatest prophet, priest, and king, but because he knew God the Father was pleased with his work as a manual laborer. It was a holy calling. Do you think of your work that way? Jesus built tables, homes, whatever was set before him, feeling his Father's pleasure in his work. 
it may be good to remind ourselves that God himself was the very first manual laborer, and he enjoyed it. And afterwards, he called his work very good. In Genesis 2, God put his hands in the dirt and formed man. And after making man, God put man in the garden. And what did God tell man to do? Uh, to conduct Bible studies and lead worship services? No. He was told to work it and keep it, to garden and to cultivate and keep it. Your work is good. It's part of a holy calling that God prepared beforehand for you to do. That's what Ephesians 2.10 says. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We see first here that God made us. We're his artwork, specially crafted with a noble purpose. Second, you're united to the one who worked as a carpenter for most of his life on earth. And third, God has set before you good works that are meant to have eternal impact. If you can look at your work and say, I can glorify God in this. If you're able to do it in a way that is good and right without compromising your faith, if you're able to contribute to the good of society, and if it provides for your needs, then your work is good work. It is holy work. So don't look at it like a job, because you'll tend to see it then as simply a means to money. And don't even look at it as a career, because then the focus becomes on promotion and the time put in. There's nothing wrong with money or promotions or time put in, but they keep you from seeing your work as a calling. God's calling for you today that lasts into eternity. If you see your work as a calling, then no matter how hard it is, you will know that God's smile rests on you. You will feel God's pleasure as you do it, and you'll also see it has purpose eternally. So parents, you can say, I'm God's workmanship, created for changing diapers today. Factory workers, I'm building the parts in Christ, my carpenter friend. Students, you can say, I'm doing homework God prepared beforehand for me to do. Because God created me to work today, joined to his son, and prepared this beforehand, this matters because it fits into the master plan established before the world even began. A wonderful older gentleman in my church told me about how he discovered the love of Jesus and was saved. And as he was working, cleaning bathrooms for a living, he began to do it with a sense of a holy calling. And the guys working in that place began to notice his attitude and his diligence to do it well. And he was able to give them the reason for the hope that is within him. May we do the same today. And who knows if our good work might open the door for us to share with our community the far greater work of a carpenter. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our labors that are done and are never in vain. Forgive us for the times we've been negative about our work and failed to enjoy the things you've called us to walk in. Grant that today we will see that all our work is from you and through you and to you, that you might be glorified in them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Detailed forecast. Today, mostly sunny with a high near 82. Come wind. Tonight, mostly clear with a low around 58. South wind around 5 mph becoming calm. Thursday, sunny with a high near 82. Calm wind becoming south around 5 mph in the afternoon. Thursday night, partly cloudy with a low around 62.
south wind around 5 mph. Friday. A slight chance of showers, then a chance of showers and thunderstorms after 2 p.m., partly sunny, with a high near 82. Southwest wind 5 to 10 mph, with gusts as high as 20 mph. Chance of precipitation is 40%. Friday night. A chance of showers and thunderstorms. Mostly cloudy, with the low around 65. Chance of precipitation is 40%. Saturday. Mostly sunny, with a high near 85. Saturday night. Partly cloudy, with a low around 67. Sunday. A 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms after 2 p.m., mostly sunny, with a high near 89. Profile America, Wednesday, August 4th. On tomorrow's date, 10 years ago, Standard & Poor downgraded the credit worthiness of the United States for the first time. Falling from AAA to AA+, the downgrade was due to mounting national debt. Government bonds have financed the debt since they were first issued in 1790. The national debt then was just over $71 million. Today, the national debt is around $27 trillion. But we the people have a government reflective of its citizens as the public is deep in debt. America's 128 million households carried debts of about $13 trillion in 2017. The national median was $60,000 per household, most of it being mortgage debt. The median credit card debt is $3,500 and medical debt $2,000. Profile America is in its 25th year as a public service of the U.S. Census Bureau.